This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. And with reports that Jadavion Clowney is coming to Seattle in a trade for Jacob Martin, Barkevius Mingo, and a 2020 third-round pick, Joe Fan, Seahawks insider for NBC Sports Northwest, is joining the show to talk about the trade with the Houston Texans. Welcome to the show, Joe. What was your reaction when you saw this deal come across this morning? Brandon, I'm shocked, man. Uh, one, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Uh, a pleasure to be on and, and chatting about this. Obviously, a huge Saturday. And um, it, uh, what's fascinating to me is just we spent all week kind of hemming and hawing of like what would be a fair, you know, what will be fair terms in terms of uh, how you're going to get Jadavian Clowney. And is he worth a first-round pick? Um, is he worth a second-round pick in Rashad Penny or Jermaine uh, Effetti? I mean, what is the compensation that that you'd need to send Houston to where you'd feel good about it as a Seahawks fan um, and feel like your team was improved and didn't get, you know, paid too much for what could end up being a one-year rental player? And then so it turns out that, it's a 2020 third round pick. Uh, it's Jacob Martin, who uh, a player with potential, but nowhere near the ceiling of clownies. Um, and then Mingo, who I was under the impression since camp started that they were going to cut him uh, just to save that 4.1 million in cap space. Um, to me, it seems like absolute larceny from John Schneider and Pete Carroll. It It is definitely feeling that way, and the reaction on Twitter is uh, saying as much. Because for the Seahawks, I think most of us were content with the idea that when you traded Frank Clark, you got the first rounder in 2019, you got the 2020 second rounder from the Chiefs. And so it kind of made sense, I think, to Seahawks fans that we'd be okay with giving up now that 2020 second rounder for a player to be the replacement for Frank Clark. And yet they move down around to the third round and give up, like you said, a guy that they're going to cut anyway. Jacob Martin has the potential, I think, and probably fits in the Texan system a little bit better than he does in the Seahawks system with them running a 3-4 versus a 4-3. And you needed that roster space now for Jadavian Clowney. So it kind of it makes a lot of sense now that uh, to get rid of those particular players, especially when you're thinking, you know, early on, you know, is it going to be an offensive lineman with the Texans' needs on the offensive line? The Seahawks do have a little bit of depth there. They also have some depth at running back. But I don't see a downside to this. Even And with the third-round pick, even if he does walk at the end of the year, you're almost guaranteed a third-round compensatory pick in 2021. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no downside. There was this is a no-brainer move for the Seahawks, and uh, as Danny Kelly, our good friend, uh, astutely pointed out earlier this week, I mean, uh, it is incumbent upon the Seahawks to maximize the the years of uh, the prime years of superstars Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they're doing. You have a an opportunity to acquire a coveted player who hasn't hit his ceiling yet, still just 26 years old, clean bill of health. Health as Ian Rapport uh, is saying. He's game ready in the best shape of his career. Um, And then beyond that, he's one, affordable. And then two, you're getting what's arguably, uh, outside of quarterback, the most coveted position in football. I mean, you just don't get star edge rushers like this uh, in opportunities to acquire them very often. And so, um, like I said, it's a no-brainer deal. Uh, I'm still kind of a little bit shocked the way it went down and and what the Seahawks had to give up in terms of getting in. Because all we heard, right, was, you know, especially with the talks with Miami was, you know, the Texans want O-line help. You know, they're looking for Larry Tunsil. All right, so 
necessarily looking for a Fetty? Is Justin Britt potentially going to have to be thrown into the deal to where all of a sudden you're looking at, all right, well, I don't know. How do you feel about that? The Seahawks worked so long, you know, and, and to get the offensive line to where it is. They've got some injuries up there. They don't have a ton of depth, depth that they can lose. Are you willing to kind of break that group apart in order to get Clowney? And all of a sudden you, you don't have to touch the offensive line. So it's just an absolute win across the board where, um, in my opinion, uh, gives the Seahawks plenty of firepower to compete with the Rams this year uh, for the divisional crown. So I have to be thinking about other teams that are out there who are looking for pass rushing help. And the fans have to be seeing this deal and looking at the trade and saying, how could our team not do better than what the Seahawks are giving up to the Texans? That's a great point. I mean, I, I, no matter where you're at, even if you didn't need pass rush right <laughs> would think you'd give up a player you're about to cut and save 4.1 million uh, a nice rotational piece with some upside but but nothing uh, drastic and that's nothing against jacob martin he's a fine player um and i think seahawks fans are going to be bummed they don't get to see him develop and then a, a 2020 third round pick i mean what I mean, once you get out of even in first round picks, second round picks, the draft is a complete crapshoot. And so, I mean, what what's the best you can hope for realistically, right? And, unless you completely strike gold with that third round pick. I mean, that's an absolute. I keep going back to no brainer, but yeah, if I'm a fan, it's a great point of of any other team around the league. I'm looking at this and saying, did we did we make the phone call? Did did we have a couple guys who wanted to? You know, it's like you're the guy in fantasy football who packages to play, uh, you know, players together uh, on their bench throws them for a superstar and you somehow land that trade and the rest of your league is upset because they feel like it's unfair. I mean, that's the level um, of robbery here that I think we're talking about. Well, and you brought up the idea of third round pick and it kind of being a, a crapshoot when it comes to that third round. And just in Pete Carroll and John Schneider's time, it's been about a 50, 50 hit rate. Uh, you can say they struck gold in 2012 when they got Russell Wilson in the third round, everybody passing on him. But other than that, you're looking at John Moffat in 2011, Jordan Hill in 2013, Tyler Lockett in 2015, you know, another all pro pick there. But then in 16 and 17, you have names like CJ Procise, Nick Vanette, Riso Diambo, Shaquille Griffin, Delano Hill, Nas Jones, and Amara Darbo. So when you take those names as a whole, it does feel like 50 50 with two outstanding players. And then if you look the past two years, Rasheem Green and Cody Barton, too early to tell probably with those guys. But you're, you can be okay with giving up a third-round pick when it's a 50-50 hit rate. And they're probably going to trade one of their 2020 second-round picks back anyway and end up with more third-round picks. Oh, yeah. And again, uh, it's it's not even about the hit rate, right? Let's You can hit on a pick and it still not be Jadavian Clowney. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the what's what's you're talking about a player who is uh, has the, uh, the upside of, of any pass rusher in the NFL and is at the most coveted position in the NFL. I mean, this is a reason why these guys get tagged. There's a reason why they don't change hands very often because there's just not that many of them and they're really hard to find. And there's a reason why he went 1-1 back in 2014. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess if you're Houston, you just think, hey, let's cut our losses. We got more than uh, we would have, you know, if he just walked next year in free agency and we get a compensatory pick. Um, now we don't have to deal with the headache anymore and we can move forward. But it just goes back. I mean, I just wish I could be a fly on the wall in Bill O'Brien's office and, and figure out what the other offers he was listening to. And granted, um, you know, Jadavion Clowney did – 
flex his negotiating power in this as well. You know, given that he essentially had veto power, you know, with the you could just refuse to sign the franchise tender and basically torpedo the talks um, that the Texans were having with the Miami Dolphins. Um, so he did use his leverage for sure, but. But again, uh, if this is the best the Texans could do, uh, it's a shame for Texans fans because you know, you're know you missing out on a franchise player now and you don't have much to show for it. The the names of teams that we heard along with Miami, the Eagles were the other team where he had a preference to go. And again, I have to think that what what could the Eagles not have packaged that was better than what the Seahawks were, were giving up in this particular case? And, and maybe they... Maybe they felt like they were fine in terms of depth. It just for a, a player of clowny stature, it uh, it, it seems like something that you you'd want to go for. It, when I look at the fact that John Schneider now began the off season with four draft picks and Frank Clark, he ends it with eleven draft picks, gets Jadavian Clowney out of the deal, and they sign Ziggy Anza in the off season, and now you can have those two players compete as to which one you might give the long term extension to based on their production in the 2019 season. Yeah. And I, you know, I think at this point, especially given the terms of the deal, I mean, that's a tomorrow problem. All of a sudden you're, you know, because you're going to have to sign Jaron Reed or make a decision on Jaron Reed as well. But you know what? Now let's just enjoy the season. And, and the benefit that the Seahawks have given that it's a, a run a player type situation is, um, you know, they get to see what he looks like in their system um, before having to commit, right. Uh, you know, compared to, you know, with the chiefs acquire Frank Clark, Niners acquired D Ford, you know, you're poning up big money before you even get the guy in the building. And so uh, there's a little bit of a gamble there in that sense as well. So, um, you know, the Seahawks don't have long-term assurances, but but I think the risk is so minimal at this point, given what they had to give up. Um, you know, you didn't give up any foundational piece or draft pick, um, especially given that you have that extra 2020 second rounder um, from that Clark trade that, I mean, uh, it's crazy, man. I, I'm trying to figure out what the downside is. Or if there's some, if there's some catch that you know we're missing or not thinking of that, that makes this deal better for Houston, but it just feels like such a landslide in Seattle's favor. Well, I think the best thing you can hope for if you're a Texans fan wanting to get the most out of this deal, you hope that Clowney only goes to Seattle for one year, goes somewhere else. You hope Jacob Martin develops into a starter and at least, you know, a heavy rotational type player. He did get, he was among the top players in the league in terms of statistically putting pressure on the quarterback when he was in the game, but he, he just doesn't feel like that full-time player to me. And then Barkevius Mingo, I feel like you get what you're getting with him. Uh, maybe they look at the fact that, yeah, he was a sixth overall pick in 2013, but, you know, this far down the road, you know what you're getting at this point. Yeah, but he's a guy who's about to be a free agent anyways, and you were going to be able to probably sign him for a number that was less than whatever the five and change he's scheduled to make in 2019. Yeah. Um, and so it just feels very bizarre. I wonder where they're going to use him because the the um, experiment making him an edge rusher again like he played in college just didn't go over well. I mean, Pete Carroll, the eternal optimist, was about as harsh on Mingo as you'll ever hear him about a player, just saying – well, you know, we, we'd hope to be a little bit more productive. I mean, that's pretty straight to the point. Like, he hasn't done very well. Um, and so, I mean, he got pushed off the edge a couple of times and, and allowed big runs on Thursday against the Raiders. Um, just overall a disappointment in that transition from off-ball linebacker to an edge player. And so, uh, I'm not – maybe the Texans see something different. Maybe they move him back to off-ball linebacker, given that you know they feel like uh, Martin is the pass rusher and now Mingo gives them depth. Um 
you know, at the, at the inside spots, but <laughs> I mean, who knows what, what they're thinking. It's uh, it's almost like it, it, you know, benefits them to have a GM instead of having your head coach try to juggle all that with the season coming up. Um, but I, I think you look at Ansa now paired with Clowney and, if Ansa is able to get to anywhere near, you know, his Pro Bowl level that he was in Detroit, I mean, you're looking at, you know, one of the best, if not the best, pass rush tandems uh, in the NFL, and that's, you know, before you you focus on Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, and then the trio of linebackers behind him. Well, I'm looking forward now to this Week Seven matchup against the Baltimore Ravens because at that time you'll have Jaron Reed coming back off suspension. And you look at the players, you know, if everybody stays healthy, you got Jadavian Clowney on that front line, along with Puna Ford, Ziggy Anza, and then your three linebackers, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and Michael Kendricks. It's hard to think of a front seven that's uh, tougher than, than that particular lineup. Well, and you look in the division. I mean, you look, you have games now against Aaron Donald. I mean, there's going to be so much defensive line talent in this division in those matchups. You go to the 49ers, you know, November 11th, Monday Night Football in, in San Francisco at Levi Stadium. You know, they've got D4, Nick Bosa, and DeForest Buckner. You compare that to Jaron Reed, uh, Ezekiel Ansah, and Jadavian Clowney. My goodness, that's a lot of star power along the defensive line. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the NFC West definitely stockpiling the defensive line talent, and uh, it's it's going to make these divisional games fun for sure. Yeah, and, and you know what? You don't want to overreact to to one trade, but but again, I mean, the impact that Jadavian Clowney can have on this team. I mean, it, it's true that you go from being a, a playoff wild card contender to maybe a divisional favorite, and um, you know you're in the Super Bowl conversation. I mean, that's the you know. Super Bowls are won by superstars and you need closers and you need primetime players um, and you need, you know, guys. And it's great to have depth and depth helps you survive injuries. But you need one through 10 on the roster to be better than everyone else's one through 10. And my biggest question about the Seahawks going into this year was, do they have enough star power? You know what Bobby Wagner can do. You know what Russell Wilson can do and Tyler Lockett. But are there enough other pieces? Who's going to step up in the secondary and be those playmakers? Um, and so now all of a sudden you add a blue chip guy and clowny it changes your outlook for the season and then there's no you know you don't want to overreact but i don't think that's an overreaction well i think just going in and watching the preseason seahawks fans were absolutely concerned about that pass rushing position because we were seeing guys like cassius marsh and barkevious mingo and you had your first round pick lj collier who was out you have Ziggy Anza who's working his way back from injury, so you're not even able to see these players on the field working together, and you're just hoping that everybody can be back week one. And so there was a lot of hope, I think, uh, just that the defensive line would come together right before the season starts and not being able to see it in the preseason. I, I know that people on the team actually have a better idea because they get to see these guys in practice, at least. And, and so for fans, though, it was a big question, and now... Now I know there's there's still questions in terms of depth, and you wonder if a guy like LJ Collier can perform in his rookie season without having all that much experience in the preseason. Can Ziggy Anza be, you know, be a productive player and be healthy? But rather than have those questions as uh, question marks and not have a guy that you can look toward, like Jaron Reed being out and knowing you don't have his, his production for the first six weeks, you now have somebody that you can point to and and say, yes, I know where some of this quarterback pressure production is going to come from now. 
Yeah, totally. And what I think the other benefit is, right, I mean, he's going to get a couple practices. I mean, this guy hasn't, you know, been in camp, hasn't been, you know, played any preseason games. But I think at that position, um, you know, given uh, at least reportedly how healthy he's in, the shape he's in, I think it's conceivable that you have a week of practices, then you, you jump in and you have your full share of reps. I mean, what's the directive? Go get the quarterback, right? right. So he knows what to do. I mean, I don't think the, you know, learning the defensive scheme is going to be anything outrageous for him. You know, you put him in pass rush downs and say, hey, go get Andy Dalton. And I'm a firm believer that Javion Clowney is capable of, of understanding that job description. And so um, the learning curve should be quick. And I would expect him to be in the lineup um, in week one. And that, that's pretty wild. It, again, a complete shakeup to, to how you maybe feel about your team going into the season. I just want John Schneider to get back on the phone with Bill O'Brien and offer up J.D. McKissick, maybe a 2025th round pick, and see if we can turn DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, 100%. I mean, see if you can get Will Fuller, too. I mean, that guy's a touchdown machine when he's healthy and, and incredibly fast, and so I think that's uh, 100% what the move should be. And, you know, maybe uh, throw in a, a conditional seventh rounder as well and sweeten the pot. Just enough sweetener to, to make the deal happen, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know when John Schneider's on the phone being like, "Well, you know, Bill, like we don't want to do this, but like, you know, we do want to get this deal done. So you know, we'll throw in a we'll throw in a sixth, you know, just because we got a good relationship. I like you, like you know, I want to make this happen. I want to make sure you're getting a good deal out of this. You know, let's let's roll with uh, you know, add a little bit more for you. I like I mean, it. That, it's uh, it's crazy. I feel like again, we've all had those conversations with people in fantasy football where like. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to work them over a little bit. Like, oh, you know, this guy's really good. And, you know, you, you mingo, you just turn on the tape. You can see the potential. And, you know, we believed he was there, but we just liked the other guy. You know what? I mean, it's just how uh, it's crazy. Uh, again, I'm really curious to see, you know, when Bill O'Brien addresses this uh, at some point next week, what he has to say on the matter, because uh, it'll, it'll be really interesting to, see, to hear his rationale. Yeah. Make it feel like you're doing the guy a favor because, you know, you're just you just can't carry these guys on your roster and they're they're too talented and you want to help them out. Yeah, I I like the mind tricks going on between John Schneider and Bill O'Brien. This is good. So, Joe Fan, really want to thank you for coming on the Field Goals podcast and breaking down this big news with me. If people want to follow you on Twitter, follow your articles, where they go. Uh, Joe underscore fan on Twitter and then NBC sports, Northwest.com, uh, for all coverage, uh, coming from me and, uh, and our team at NBC sports Northwest, but man, I appreciate it. It's great chatting with you. Look forward to more conversations in the future. Uh, so thanks so much for having me, man. A big thanks to Joe fan for coming on the show and talking about this surprising trade to kick off Saturday. Be sure and head on over to fieldgoals.com. John Gilbert's report on the trade of Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks. The comment section's blowing up there. Also, the Seahawks roster cuts tracker Mookie Alexander's on track for that with a 53-man cut down due today. So I'm sure coming up here on Sunday, we'll have a show planned for you going over the final Seahawks 53-man roster. Although, how final will it be knowing that there's more trades out there for John Schneider to make in the week leading up to this game against the Bengals? So stay tuned. We'll have it all here for you at fieldgoals.com and right here on the Field Goals podcast. Go Hawks!